It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he plants one. Way back. It's one out. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We have a major announcement about A's Cast Live. Roxy Bernstein has been fired and will no longer be a part of the program after Roxy and the athletics. I mean, I give him one date to get us a victory while I'm gone doing Raiders. And yes, I am blaming the 15 runs on one Roxy Bernstein. He's out of here because we need victories. I'm just joking. I love Roxy. Roxy's getting into football mode, just like a lot of us. Yeah, you know, we're wiping we're wiping yesterday clean. We're just we're 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 and I'm blaming Gene in Oakland, if you're listening, I'm blaming you too. You jinxed Mike Fires. I'm blaming everybody but the ball club. Clean slate tonight. And it's great to be back talking a little A's baseball. I missed all of you yesterday. We have a fantastic show for you today. Bob Melvin is going to be here at 315. And then the great Mark McGuire, who is going into the A's Hall of Fame, will be joining us. And, you know, we haven't we haven't been able to talk a lot with Mark McGuire, so it's going to be a lot of fun. And we got the text. He's ready to go. 3.30. He's looking forward to it. Talk about his time with the athletics. Talk about 1989, the team that was just honored. Talk about his his time growing up as a man here with the green and gold. Yeah, we're pretty lucky, and it's a great get by Cody. We don't often get Mark McGuire, but we're going to have him on today at 3.30. And then we'll get you ready for a little A's baseball. Here is the bottom line. You're going up against a team right now that is on fire. They're absolutely on fire. And I don't think there's anybody in baseball right now where we are and where they're playing. I don't think anybody matches up with them. And I think that's a fair statement. Even the Dodgers, there's three super teams. You got the Dodgers, you got the Yankees, and you got these guys. 
But if I had to line them up, or if I had to rank them, I'm going Astros first. And you need to understand the difference between the A's and the Astros. Let me just do like a little tail of the tape right now. In batting average, I know Cody says batting average doesn't matter. Well, guess what? The Houston Astros are number one in baseball in batting average. A's, 21st. One number no one can ever dispute is runs scored. They're third in runs scored. The A's are eighth. How about hits? They're second. A's are 18th. That's why the A's don't score when they don't hit home runs. They don't get a lot of hits. Home runs, Astros are fourth, A's are seventh. On base percentage, Houston's first. So Houston gets hits. Houston doesn't strike out. Houston gets on base. A's on base percentage, 14th. Slugging, Astros are second. A's are 10th. How about in pitching? ERA. Astros are third. A's are 7th. Whip. Houston second. A's are 6th. Walks by the pitching staff. This is the only place where the A's are close. Uh, They're 6th. The A's are 7th. Strikeouts by the staff. Houston is number one. A's are only 25th. So you just start going down the line. How about batting average against your pitching staff? The Astros, you guessed it, number one. A's are eighth. Runs against. A's are, uh, Astros are second. A's are sixth. So you look at just about every statistical category, the Astros lead the A's. And their run differential in the last two games is plus 35. I mean, when you beat somebody 20, we we were laughing about it on Sunday. You beat someone 21 to 1, and then you come back the next day and you beat somebody 15 zip. That's tough sledding right there. And when you do that, you allow Grinky to go, hey, just go six innings, and you take him out. And Mike fires. That was a rough one. Shortest outing of his career. One inning, nine runs. But the great thing about the game of baseball is you get back up on the horse. It's not like football, like how the Dolphins got drilled. What was that, 59 to 10? 59 to 10. Well, you've got to wear that for an entire week. Now the A's, they get back on the hump. I will say last night, well, the game started at 5. So I'm on on the field at Monday Night Football, the last Monday Night Football game at the Coliseum. And all of a sudden, because, you know, I have all these apps, and they all send you notifications, whether it's MLB app or it's ESPN or CBS Sports or Bleacher Report. So it was like 5, what time did the game start? 5.05? So all of a sudden my phone, bzz, 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 and I take my phone out. It's 9 nothing. Holy what? How is this possible? 
Well, you got to get you you got to get back on the hump today and keep battling. That's just the bottom line. They are they are a special team. They're gonna be they're gonna be a tough out. And the Houston Astros at home are like basically unbeatable. Now it was last year. You remember towards the end of the year that the Houston Astros almost got swept by the Athletics in a four-game set. This is one where you want to send a message. This is when you come back and you drill them. How about that? Wouldn't that be great to see? As I've just gotten my 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 uh, my special packet of numbers, I want to see what what they're what they're bringing to the party. Over the last two days, the Astros have scored 36 runs on 39 hits. The Astros tied a club record with seven home runs on Monday night. And they're batting 453 over the last two days. Let me get you their OPS the last two days. Because this is just, these are crazy numbers when you start to think about it. I'm going to add this up real quick. The last two days, their OPS is 1,429. <laughs> is that any good? And Houston has now won 11 of their last 16 against the A's. They've outscored the A's 91-46. to And like I said, they're almost unbeatable at home. The Astros have won 28 of their last 32 at Minute Maid Park. 28 of their last 32. They're a super team. They got it all going, and unfortunately, the commander claims to have figured out a way that these guys can actually keep Garrett Cole. And for me, that's kind of hard to believe. So we'll talk to Bob Melvin coming up next. I can tell you that David Force once said on this program, on the David Force show, that when Jesus Lazardo comes up, he will be a starter. And that's something that we're going to get into with Bob because I think that's all that's all changing. And I don't want to get the sources say, let's get it right from the manager's mouth. What exact role are we going to see Jesus Lazardo in? But I can tell you he's not in a good mood. So I got to figure out a way to get the skipper in a good mood. And I think I know, I think I know how to do it. Because you cannot be happy after a game like that. I mean, you, you, you can sit here and say all you want, hey, this is a, this is a terrific team. But you're, you're not going to like that outcome as a manager. That, that's rough sledding to get drilled like that. And Roark is a big start for him up against Wade Miley. Tanner's got to come in, and Tanner's got to give some good innings. But he's a veteran guy, tough guy, and maybe just the man for the job. They have still not announced, I believe, who they're going to throw tomorrow. We know Brett Anderson's going to go for the athletics. And then Thursday, 
Homer Bailey against the A's nemesis, Justin Verlander. Survive this series. And after this, everybody you're playing is under 500. Your destiny is still in your own hands. All right, coming up next is the Bob Melvin Show. And then we got the great treat for you as an A's fan. Coming up at 3.30, Mark McGuire is going to join us. But I think I have a way that I'm going to cheer up the skipper next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, it's now time for the Bob Melvin Show, brought to you by NestBedding.com. That's NestBedding.com. If you're looking for a mattress, this is where you go, green and gold fans, as the owner is also a big fan of the green and gold. And if you go to NestBedding.com right now and use the coupon code Oakland, you get 10% off your entire order. NestBedding.com, love where you sleep. Bob Melvin joins us from Houston. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing all right. Didn't have our best game last night, uh, but you move on to the next day. But that is not where we're going to start. Where we're going to start is Saturday night. And Saturday night after the game, firework night, Star Wars night, I'm driving home, and all of a sudden I start getting blown up on my phone because, you know, all the apps send you uh, updated scoring, and I see that Cal and Washington, it's in the second quarter, I'm like, there's no way it's in the second quarter. That game should be o- over. Didn't realize the bad weather and the lightning. They played all till uh, 1.22 in the morning, and your Cal Bears shocked the Washington Huskies. How about that victory for your alma mater? Yeah, that was great. Uh, and I got a text from you at like 1.30 in the morning uh, <laughs> asking me if I was watching the game. We had a day game the next day, so unfortunately I was not at that point, but yeah, that's a that's a big signature win uh, for them to beat a team, you know, in the top 20 on the road like that. Especially coming off a pretty good year last year and to get off to a great start, I think it may, that makes everybody feel good about the program. Yeah, Justin Wilcox, uh, the head coach, he's got a lot of bravado, mm-hmm. and, and it's really pouring over into his team. I know you've gotten to know him. Uh, he, he it looks like he's turning this ship around. No, no doubt. And I said from the minute he got there that I felt like he was the right man for the job and he's been absolutely the right man for the job. Um, and, and he brings a little different uh, feel to the organization, you know, to the school. He, he, he's been there before. He takes pride in being a Cal bear. And those are the ki- type of coaches we need at Cal or guys that, that take pride in being there and, and want to be there, not looking for another job after that. I know uh, he's really happy about it. You know, David Forrest said to us, probably a couple of weeks ago or maybe even maybe a couple of months ago I said what's the plan for Jesus Lazardo and he said to me on, on the day before show he said when Jesus comes up he's going to be a starter so I just want to clarify when 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 Jesus Lazardo starts pitching where is he going to be starting or is he going to be coming out of the bullpen I hate to make David look bad there uh, but at this point in time he's probably be coming out of the bullpen but we'll probably treat him like a starter in that he's not going to come in and in the middle of an inning. Uh, if we feel like somebody maybe needs a little bit of a break, uh, you know, maybe we could piggyback a game with him. So we're still kind of talking about that. The first day he's, he, we feel like he's eligible to pitch would be tomorrow based on his workload. 
So we'll, we'll take a look at that. But uh, I agree with David in the fact that we don't want to treat him like a reliever where he's coming in, and, you know, with two on and, and one out in the middle of the seventh. Uh, we want to give him a clean inning and la- allow him pr- to prepare like a starter. Yeah, because I, I, I think about guys who are career starters, and now you put them in the bullpen, and they, they have to learn how to get ready and to get ready quickly compared to most starters are creatures of habit where they throw every five days, they have their routine. What is it like for you and Scott Emerson where you take a guy out of, out of his routine but you still try need him to be comfortable when he's down in the bullpen and able to come in in relief. Right. We've talked to Jesus about this, and he's up for anything. I mean, if we brought him in the middle of an inning, he'd be he'd be fine with it. But like you said, we want to make him as comfortable as he can as he can. He just got to the big leagues. He's, you know, obviously a huge prospect of ours, and and we want to get him off to a good start. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get him in there when he has plenty of time to to warm up in the bullpen. You know, similar to his start, and uh, and let him go from there. But we're excited about seeing him work here at some point. Yeah, how, how do you how do you think it's gone with uh, with AJ Puck so far coming out of the bullpen? Uh, you know, I think it's it's starting to get a little bit better. You know, I, I probably gave him some tough assignments early on, uh, bringing him in with guys on base, and you know, in, in leverage situations. You know, we told him that might be a possibility when he got here. Uh, but I think he's starting to settle in a little bit more. So his last time out, he threw the ball really well. He's now able to throw his changeup, which is a big pitch for him too. So he has his full arsenal, and we've given him some clean innings the last few times out. So I think he's that much more comfortable. When when he's going good, man, he is absolutely nasty. And let's talk about Sean Manaya. How great has he been for you in these two starts? Man, he he really hasn't missed a beat. I mean, he, he's pitching in the fashion that he did early last year when he was leading the rotation. And, you know, he's coming in and, and borderline dominating. You know, he's striking guys out. He's getting a ton of swings and misses. He's pitching with a lot of energy. Ball's coming out of his hand really good. And, you know, obviously has the change up and, and now the slider, too, to combat, you know, his fastball, which is very deceptive. So I, we, we couldn't have asked more of uh, what, what he's given us the first couple of starts. You know, even went seven innings last time for us, which, which we don't often do with our, our starters. But uh, he was up for it, and, and he's, he's pitching great. And, boy, he's really given us a, a shot of energy. And I can't tell you how happy I was, Bob, to see a pitcher go out there in the seventh inning. It was so refreshing. I know that's a tough call for you, though. No, you and me both. Are you kidding me? I You know, our, our starters – our workload for our, our bullpen guys this year has been too extreme at times. And, and you know, we, we get an update, a bullpen sheet every day on, on who's available and who's not, um, you know, analytically. And it, it's been a lot. So, you know, our starters have done well this year. I think they've, they've earned the right to, at times, go out there in the seventh inning. And, and you know, that, that was the perfect day for them to do it because we had the doubleheader and we had a lot of guys not available. And, you know, he went out there and had a pretty easy seventh inning. So, you know, I, I'm right there with you to tell you the truth. Well, how about this? A guy that you know well, Jim Leland, was on our program, A's Cast Live, and we were talking to him about you, and we were talking uh, to him about, about bullpen usage, and he said the best bullpen is a starter going seven innings. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree with him. You know, if you get an effective starter going seven innings, it means you're only using two guys to finish up the game. And, and that just feels a little more secure, and it, it, it makes more guys available, you know, especially in the stretch that we're in right now. So I, I totally agree with Jim, and, 
you know, he, he was my first manager in pro ball in instructional league when I was 19 years old and he made an impact right away with me. So I've known him for quite a while and, and consider him a good friend and, and what a terrific manager he was. Uh, he's such the throwback. I mean, with, with, with the spike cleats, smoking the cigarette in the dugout. I mean, how classic was that guy? Very classic, because I show up, you know, fresh out of uh, out of Cal, and I'm in instructional league, and we had, you know, in those days, you had all your best prospects instructionally. There wasn't fall league. There wasn't, you know, a lot of guys didn't go to winter ball. It was all about instructional league, and I'm sitting there in the dugout for the first time, and I am and I look down there, and he's smoking a cigarette, and <laughs> I, I remember they, Chuck Carey, who was a Cal with me, was, was next to me, and I kind of nudged him a little. I go, manager's smoking in the dugout. You think he's going to get in trouble for that? And, and it was it was pretty comical. And then you look down the the end of the bench, and a couple more of the players were smoking. So uh, that was that was my indoctr you know indoctrination to uh, pro ball. But uh, yeah, Jim Leland, boy, what a presence he had. You know, speaking of Detroit, because I know you got a lot of history with the Tigers and with a lot of their great players. I just thought, you know, seeing him, seeing them last time in Oakland, it's just it's kind of sad where that franchise is because they're one of the great franchises in baseball is it how tough is that for you to see where the tigers are right now well it's not tough you know when we're playing them because we want to win some games and they snuck one out against us but yeah they're they're in a little bit of a transition right now and you know that's usually not uh the process that has gone on there they've always been about win now and uh you know not worry too much about you know the future and have always had big time players there but they're going a little direct different direction right now Man, that uniform always warms my heart. The English D, when I first put that uniform on, it was such a great feeling. And going to Tiger Stadium for the first time, I'll, I'll never forget those days. So you're right. They do mean a lot to me, that organization. And, uh, you know, organizations go through ups and downs. And right now they're probably, you know, at a low for them. You know, right now you're in an absolute battle with the Houston Astros. I mean, they're obviously one of the best teams in the game. Talk about how tough the matchup is You've played well against them, but right now, that just seems like the entire lineup, their entire starting staff, they're just on fire right now. They are, and they're a different team at home. You look at the record, they're almost 40 games over 500 at home, and they just seem like, you know, they never take a bad swing here. And and certainly last night, that was the case. We, we were down early and down big, and um, yeah, they were on it, scored 20-some runs the night before. They're swinging the bat really well. So I know they're comfortable here playing at home, and, and uh, you know, the numbers would it would indicate that. So, you know, we got up, but we definitely have a battle on our hands here. The, the silver lining last night is I was able to get some guys out of the game early, and you never want to take your guys out of a game too early. But, you know, our, our, our everyday guys have been playing hard all year, and we're in a stretch of, you know, 17 games in 16 days or 16 and a third games, whatever you want to call it. So it was, it was good to be able to get them out and get them get them a little bit of rest, uh, but you never want to lose in that fashion. So when you look at Marcus Simeon, we've talked about just how good he has been this year, but now the talk is he should at least get some MVP votes. I don't He won't be the MVP, but if you look at the way he fills out a stat sheet, I mean, top to bottom, everything he does offensively, everything he does defensively, I think you would agree that people should at least consider him and look at his season as an MVP season. Without a doubt. And, and he's played in every game, too. Not not many guys can say that, if any, I think, in the American League. And he, he's ready for it every day. He's never tired. He's always in great condition. He, he, he never wants a day off. And 
And he's leading off on top of that, leading off and playing shortstop, which are two tough things to do. So he's getting a ton of at-bats. He gets a ton of plays in the field. And, you know, his numbers would support what he means to this team. And sometimes it's not just numbers that indicate, you know, MVPs. You look at what Kirk Gibson did back in his MVP season. They might have not have been the best numbers in the world, but it's what he meant to his team. And, and Marcus Simeon means an awful lot to us. Yeah, because when you got Marcus Simeon out there leading by example where he's working as hard as he does every single day and you know that he straps it on every single day, how could you be in that in that clubhouse and not work hard when you're looking at the example Marcus Simeon is setting on a daily basis? Right, and in, in right now with, with call-ups in September, if they think they're going to come up here and just kind of take it easy for the first they're in the big leagues and here for a month and so forth, that, that's just not going to be the case because – when he goes out there every day and takes ground balls and, and gets ready for a game, whether we take batting practice or not, uh, a younger player, you better follow suit. And it's just a great example to have for our guys that uh, are here for the big leagues for the first time and, and, and want to under, understand how to prepare. Yeah, it's, we're coming down to it. It's a sprint to the finish line. Good luck the rest of the week, and we will talk to you next week. You got it, Tony. Thank you. The Bob Melvin Show brought to you by nestbedding.com. That's nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code Oakland and you get 10% off your order. That's nestbedding.com, the sponsor of The Bob Melvin Show. The Bob Melvin Show only on A's Cast. How about that? Bob Melvin. The only place you're going to get The Bob Melvin Show which is different from what Ken does with him every single day. They just kind of recap, you know, we, we get into a lot of different things with Bob. Cal football, I told you I was going to cheer him up. His dauber was down today. So I told him before we, because we taped this earlier today, and I said, I said, uh, don't worry, Bob, I, I got you. I'm going to make you happy. So a little Cal football, which was crazy. I mean, seriously, playing until like 1.30 in the morning. Mark McGuire coming up in moments, by the way. I know a lot of people looking forward to that. Big Mac, one of the great A's of all time, one of the great players of all time. I mean, <clears throat> he's unbelievable. Rookie of the year, 12-time All-Star, 583 home runs. I mean, he is the goods. No question about it. Actually, the World Series. So, McGuire was on the two. He wasn't on the 2011 team. Was he, Commander? No, he went way retired. Now he's as a coach. So, he won a World Series as a coach with the St. Louis Cardinals in 2011. I was going to say, he didn't play in 2011. I was like, wait, why? Sometimes you read things in you. Hey, before we get McGuire on, I got some crazy notes about the Astros. The Astros have won 28 of their last 32 games at home. They have a franchise record 56. They've won a franchise record 56 games at home. They've got eight regular season games to go. They will become the first team since the 1998 Yankees to eclipse 60 wins at home in a single season. That's one of the great baseball teams of all time. The 1998 New York Yankees 
I'm telling you, this Astros team is a super team. How about Bregman? Bregman's been killing it. But this Astros team is by far, <laughs> I mean, they are strong top to bottom. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live. It's an absolute honor. He's one of the great players in the history of the game. He's a 12-time All-Star, AL Rookie of the Year, three-time Silver Slugger Award winner, five-time Major League Baseball home run champ, and he's truly one of the great A's to have ever laced them up, and he'll be honored this year at the A's Hall of Fame ceremony. Mark McGuire is with us here. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time, and it's an honor to have you on the program. Hey, you're more than welcome. Thanks for having me. Well, you know, when we think about great first basemen in the history of this organization, you're, you're at the top. What did it mean to you to get that call to know that you're going into the, the new A's Hall of Fame? Well, you know, when Dave gave me a call uh, and, and told me, and he says, hey, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be putting a green jacket on you, I, I asked him, I said, is that going to get a membership at Augusta? In Augusta, you know, uh, I was excited, man. I just, I, I I can't believe it. It's just one of those things I've been, it's like, it's like a hundred years ago that I played there. Um, I know I've been back as a coach, but uh, it's, uh, I just had an unbelievable time. I mean, 16 years um, playing the game of baseball, you know, about uh, 12 with the Oakland and, you know, the, all the guys that the coaches and Everybody down in the minor leagues that, that that molded me into the player that I became, uh, I can't thank them enough. Uh, Carl Keel, uh, Keith Lippman, Brad Fisher, Ron Plaza, you know, Sandy Alderson, Walt Jockety. I mean, all these guys that just supported me through, you know, the good and the bad. I had a lot of downtime there with the injuries. I had a horrible year and in 91 um i just i i i cannot thank the organization for uh for giving me this great great honor and we recently honored the 1989 team and of course you were a big part of that what was it like playing on that team with those guys and just the dominance you guys had in baseball because you had a bad taste in your mouth losing in 88 there was no way you were losing in 89 yeah um you know, unfortunately, I couldn't make it up there. Uh, my my son Mason, we were down in uh, Cary, North Carolina. He was uh, he made it to the third phase of the uh, 15U USA team. So uh, I would spend my time down in North Carolina during that time. So I'm sorry I missed that. Um, yeah, it was one of those things where it's just like we go into spring training with a bad taste, obviously <clears throat> from '88, and it was really throw the balls and bats out there. We there we knew what we were going to do. Um, we just had such a professional team. Uh, we knew what it took to win. Um, and, you know, granted, we had a, a really, really bad World Series in 88, and we came back. Unfortunately, we had to wait for the 10 days because of the earthquake, um, which was totally unfortunate. And um, But I'll tell you what, it was, it was well worth it because it was just uh, – I mean, I, I, I just remember being on the, on the field – in the, in the ninth inning and, and I'm first base and, and, you know, X doing what X does. And, and I wanted that ground ball so bad. I just remember as a kid, you know, just having the, being the last out and uh, getting the last out of the world series. And, and I remember just dying out trying to, I just missed it in Tony Phillips game. 
and getting through it to, to act to make the last out. But um, I tell you what, it was just one of those turnkey teams, man. I mean, that's what Mr. Haas did for Tony and along with Sandy and Walt. You know, whatever Tony wanted and Dave Duncan, whatever we needed at that all-star, um, just after the all-star break for the trade deadline, he pretty much just said, okay, let's go get him. And we got those pieces. And I'll tell you what, it was just, it was just, I, I don't think you'll ever see a team like that again. It, it was just, we, we ran the gamut. I mean, three years in a row in the World Series, we won one of them. But I'll tell you what, it was just such a professional team with professional players. And um, gosh, I mean, it's like, unfortunately, I never got a chance to get back in there. You know, that was only my uh, third, fourth years in the big leagues and never got back to the World Series as a veteran player. And uh, that's something I wish I, I really had a, a, a chance to do. You know, as a, as a kid in high school during that time, you guys were rock stars. No one was bigger than the Oakland Athletics. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you guys were yeah. – you kicked the crap out of the Yankees. Everybody wanted to be mm-hmm. like you guys. You were the Bass Brothers. I mean, Andy Sandler, right. they have brought the, the parody of the Bass Brothers back. I don't know if you've seen that, but just talk about that time where you guys were – like football teams are today. That's what you guys were like mm. back then. Yeah. Um, we were a very big team. <laughs> yeah, we were a strong team. Nobody really wanted to mess with us. And, uh, you know, it, you know, it was led by, you know, I mean, think about it. Carney Lansford, Dave Stewart. Um, it's it just like you know, when you have these two guys that, I, I mean, to this day, I would go to war with any of them. And it's it, it just like, I mean, I'm a young kid. Uh, you know, I'm only in my third year, and, and I'm watching these guys. And, you know, Back in the day when you're a young kid, you don't say a word around these guys. You just sit there and you be quiet and you watch. And and I was so lucky as a as a young player to sit and watch these professional players and and and, and I mean I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't hard to, to have that stuff rub off on me and then I carried it on into my veteran years. Yeah, I think about you coming out of USC and all of a sudden <laughs> here you are, really in your rookie year, you get a taste in eighty six but in 87, when you're yeah. Rookie of the Year, what was that pressure like mounting on you when you have all these home runs and people start asking the questions yeah. about records? What was well, that like? Well, it's it's sort of weird how that year started because, um, yeah, I did get a taste in 86. I, I, I mean, I was totally shocked that I got called up in August of 86. I, 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 I was just shocked. I mean, I, I remember when Keith Lipman pulled me into the room and, and – uh, um, in Tacoma and said, Hey, listen, they're going to need you in Baltimore tomorrow. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, you're going up to the big leagues. And, um, you know, I did get a taste of didn't have much success, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it's like, I, again, I had a veteran team. I mean, I had Dusty Baker in 86, Dave Kingman, Bruce Bochy. I mean, I Bruce Bochy, excuse me. And, um, uh, you know, all these great players. I mean, I'm just like an awe. So I didn't, and they wanted me to go play winter ball that next winter. And, um, and I, and I refused to do it. And, um, and I actually missed my plane flight. Um, I just thought I was burnt out and I didn't want to go down to Dominican because at the time I was playing third base. They had me in the Meyer lakes playing third base. And, um, I ended up going down there. Um, I did not do very well at all. I spent a month down there and, um, I pretty much said I wanted to come home. I came home. My mindset was, if I'm going to win a job in spring training, I'm going to win a job in spring training. I'm not going to win a job in winter ball. So I busted my ass 
the months prior to spring training in 87. I did everything I could in, in 87 to come in there. My third base, first base. I even did some in the outfield. And it wasn't. I was the last guy to make the ball club. Um, and then, then again, I did not play all the time. I mean, I was playing against left-handers. Rob Nelson, the other first baseman, was playing against right-handers. And I think it was the third week in April, <clears throat> they ended up sending Rob out. And then I was an everyday first baseman. Um, I had no idea what was going to happen. And then next thing you know, I had 33 home runs at the, the All-Star break. And they were talking about me trying to break Roger Maris's record. Um, but like most rookies do, they have to play that six month. That's really a tough thing to do. It's like, you know, we're trained to just go five months as a minor leaguer. Um, and then we had to play that six month. And then, um, you know, I took a toll. I, I only hit 16 home runs and I still finished out pretty well, but, but it was one of those things. It wasn't really stressful. Uh, and let's go back a little bit. I also got to make the all-star game in 87 in Oakland. And, uh, I mean, it was just one of those years. It, it wasn't stressful at all. I was just like, I was like a chicken with a head cut off. I was just so ecstatic to be in the big leagues. I couldn't believe that they even, they kept me up there because, well, it, you know, before they sent Rob out, Rob and I weren't doing anything at all, but they said that I was having better at bats, and that's why they kept me, um, not knowing that I was going to hit 33 home runs at the All-Star break. So, uh, but I couldn't, you know, listen, Tony LaRusso, uh just, you know, he's like my second father. I mean, he's just one of those guys that just, he saw what he saw and he, and he wanted to keep me and I can't thank him enough for what they did. And yes, I was a little stubborn, not going down to Dominican, but I had a mindset saying, I'm going to go into spring training and win a job. And I did. Yeah. You talk about your relationship with Tony and how close you are. And here you, the two of you all these years, whether it was, he was your manager or you were under him as a coach, and now you get to go into the Hall of Fame with him. I mean, that's just like that's just like it's just fitting, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's it. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I saw him down here. He, the Boston was playing the Angels, and I went out to lunch with him. I hadn't seen him in a while, and it was really, really good to catch up with him. And I mean, he's just uh, you know just. He's just a mastermind of what, how the game is being played today. I mean, you think about it back then, you know, all these, you know, uh, all the way the, the bullpens are run. Him and Dave Duncan were running the bullpens like that back in 87. I mean, think about it. You know, we get, we get Dennis Eggersley in spring training of 87, you know, and here he's washed up starter from Chicago and he comes in and he's going to hall of fame as one of the best relievers ever in the game. I mean, they with Gene Nelson, we had all these guys setting up, uh, Rick Honeycutt setting up, doing all these things, and you know, Dave Duncan and Tony Larusa set the bar of the way the game is played today, and it's I don't think they get enough credit for doing that. Dave Duncan was, he had three ring binders of like what they're doing on computers today with all with all these numbers and where the balls are being hit, and where's this going to go, and. It's it's a shame that Dave Duncan and, and Tony LaRusso don't get enough credit for what how the game is being run today. You know, everybody always talks to you about home runs, but in 1990, you got that gold glove. I bet that meant a lot to you. Yeah, it's it's one of my prized possessions sitting in my office, and uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I I wish I would have won it the next year, <laughs> and uh, you know, I I I didn't have a very good year offensively, and obviously they do gold gloves a little different way today with all the metrics and stuff. But uh, 
I always took pride in my defense, and I've never really been a big fan of the designated hitter playing in Oakland. Uh, even when I was coming back from from injuries and stuff, you know, Tony would maybe play me DH, and I I, I, I sort of would refuse, you know, although there'd be a day or two that I did. I just wanted to be, if you can't put a glove and play defense, I, I, I don't think you should be playing the game of baseball. That's the way I feel, and I know someday they're going to have no more uh, – pitchers hitting that's going to be unfortunate because to me that's the way the game should be played there should be some kind of a thought and thought process in the national league how things are done but i totally understand what they're trying to do but i i just i love playing defense because there's going to be many many days many weeks that you're not going to be very good at the plate but you know what you can win a ball game by making a play or picking a ball or or doing something defensively to help the ball club out you know, we just had the anniversary of you hitting number 62 and breaking the record in 1998. And that was a moment where you and Sammy Sosa really helped save baseball. It really got people loving baseball once again. What does that mean to you? This game's been played for so many years that you played in a big yeah. role of, of, of reviving this great sport. Well, I take a lot of pride in that because uh, to – I mean, it's been what it's been my, quite a few years now that it's happened. Uh, you know, so 21 years ago, we brought the game of baseball back, and you know, the taste that people had in their mouths after the strike in '94, and all the great years that the players were having, and the the great years that some of the teams were having in Montreal, and 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 we didn't have a World Series, and and we started we started the season later uh in 95 um it's just i mean i i can't be any more prouder than that i mean that was a lot that was a lot of uh, lifting right there carrying basically when you think back about carrying the game of baseball but i can't i mean it was just something that i mean to this day i still get people thanking thanking me for bringing the game of baseball back and 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 i'm very proud of that I was I was early in my career, and I remember whether it was you or it was Sammy coming to town to Candlestick Park, and they would rope off batting practice. I mean, we were yeah. seeing things we'd never seen before. Well, it's amazing to think that, you know, now there's all these people behind, you know, the, the batting cages on the field, and they, they do uh, charity things, you know, having people on the field and stuff like that. Well, that didn't start until – 98 because they started doing that they started bringing people coming in i mean i would have you know 15 to twenty thousand people come in just to watch batting practice and that's where all that started and um you know unfortunately i was playing a game before the game uh, i mean i i remember uh, down in miami john henry who was the the owner of the team miami he came in the one day i wasn't going to take batting practice and he came in and he sat down he says mark he goes I really need you to take batting practice. We have 15,000 people out there to watch you take batting practice. I heard you weren't going to take batting practice. And I said, Mr. Henry, I will. I'll take it for you. And so I ended up doing it. But that's the way that that's, that's why there's all these people on the field today because of what happened in 98. And I'm so happy to say that that was one of the reasons. And, and, and when you've had great moments too in St. Louis. I mean, obviously that, but you know, Winning a World Series as a coach. What was you? What, what's it like playing in St. Louis and also co coaching under Tony in St. Louis? 
Well, I, you know, it's funny. I mean, accepting the trade, you know, in, in 97, I had the 10-5 where I had to, I could veto any kind of trade. And, you know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, it's funny. I think back now, if, 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 you know, we had the information like we have today where we knew all the studs in the minor leagues where everybody knows today all the studs in the minor leagues. If I would have known that Hudson, Mulder, Zito <laughs> were all going to come up in another year or two, I might have not accepted the trade. We didn't know who was the minor league guys coming up. But accepting the trade and going there, going to St. Louis, you know, uh, coming back with Tony and Dunk and, you know, Barry Weinberg, Dave McKay, you know, not really knowing what was it going to be like, uh, and then stepping on the field there, it was it was something way different than I ever expected. It won me over. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, as a player, didn't get to go into the World Series with him, but when Tony asked me to come back um, in 2010 as a coach, in 2011 I won the World Series as a coach. But I'm going to tell you something. I was more nervous as a coach than I was as a player being on the field in any kind of playoff or World Series game. It's just you, you don't you can't do anything about it. You prepare the kids and you prepare them and, and whether uh, what they want to do at the plate and you just you just just hope for the best. I was biting my nails, pacing back and forth, and that was probably one of the most historical World Series wins ever in in this game of baseball. Let's end on this, and I want you to put your coach's hat back on because you mentioned okay. you mentioned in '91 how you struggled and hit 201. Yes, we're having yes. the same thing going on with Chris Davis right now. Chris Davis, mm -hmm. three straight years, hits over 40 home runs. He hit 48 last year, led baseball, and this year he is just struggling, struggling to make contact. He's not hitting home runs. He had an injury earlier in the year. What advice would you give Chris Davis? Well, unfortunately, I haven't really watched many games about. I, I just know I know he's been injured, so that that probably could have something. And you know, a lot of things is when you get a you know hitting and playing the game is a feeling. Even though you work on mechanical stuff, you have to have that feeling, and you know when you have it right. It just sounds like he doesn't have that feeling right now. He's trying to find it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a hit. It could be a foul ball. It could be a swing and miss. It could be a line drive right at the shortstop. It could be something that goes, oh, there's that feeling. Here it goes. What I always say, at, as a, what I always told myself as a player and what I always told my players as a coach, you're one swing away. You're one swing away from getting that feeling. And unfortunately, it sounds like the injury might have put him back a little bit. It might take some time, but it looks like, you know, Oakland's going to be in the playoffs again. And, you know, what, what a better time that he might get that feeling tonight tomorrow, whatever it may be, he might ride all the way through the playoffs. So, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've just really enjoyed watching him play. I mean, it's such a, just a really, just a smooth, effortless, just powerful swing that you wouldn't expect. And it's, it's really fun to watch. So he's one swing away. Let's just say that. And just hopefully Oakland can, can find it and, or, uh, and, and take it on him through the playoffs. So September 21st, it's going to be Tony Larusa, Vita Blue, Bert Campanaris, Walter Haas Jr., and yourself all wow. going into the Hall wow. of Fame. What a class that's going to be. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And they said you only have three minutes to talk. <laughs> it's like, there's like too many. I mean, I don't know what to say because it's like there's too many people to thank, you know. You know, really seriously, think about it. It's like I'm being honored 
which is fantastic, but it's all the people that have really put me there that should be honored. Because of the, I, mean, I think about, you know, Carl Keel. I mean, it's like Carl Keel, Ron Plaza, Chicken Stanley, uh, Keith Lippman, just on me every day in structural league, minor leagues, having the little glove, learning how to play third base, you know, these pop-ups up in, in down in uh, Scottsdale Community College with no, uh, you know, no clouds up there. There's no, it's just the toughest thing to do is try to catch, catch a pop-up and these balls are coming down, hit me in the shoulder, hit me in the leg. And they're laughing their butts off and stuff. And I'm sitting there going, but they're kept pushing me, kept pushing me. And I cannot thank Tim enough for making me the player that I became. So it's just uh, the player development in Oakland, the player development in St. Louis. I mean, I can't thank enough for these two organizations that, that set these players and you watch all these players that come from these two organizations how successful they are in the game of baseball. And that's something they should be very, very proud of. Mark, A's fans love you, and they can't wait to see you on September 21st. I can guarantee you that. Well, I'm very much looking forward to it. I can't wait to be up there. Be well, my friend. We'll see you up here on the 21st. Thank you very much. The great Mark McGuire. Nobody has hit more home runs than him in Oakland A's history with 363. Man save baseball. Just think about that for a moment. Where would this game be if they didn't do that? And the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame is a joke, is an absolute joke. And this is truly one of the great things about A's Cast Live, is that we can go as long as we want to go. You know, normally in, in, in regular radio, terrestrial radio, break, break, break. Mark McGuire wants to talk. We'll talk to him all day because that man is one of the greatest to have ever laced him up. That was special right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live, broadcasting from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. I know I've said this a lot since we started doing this show. I mean, we've had some remarkable guests. I mean, Hall of Famers, the biggest names in sport in, in baseball. But that guy doesn't talk a lot. You know, he's not coaching right now because, as he said, he's he's got the kids. He's got, he's got, like, triplets. He's a busy man. He's a family man. But even as the commander just said, that's Commander Cody, y- you never really heard him talk. I haven't, and it's weird because I was a big McGuire. As a kid, I was 10 years old when McGuire and Sosa saved baseball. Yeah. And you would think that, you know, he probably did a lot of interviews back then, but I, I wasn't sticking around to watch Mark McGuire talk post game. I was 10 years old. I want to see a home run. That's all I cared about. And then I did go to the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown with my family when I was younger. I think it was right after the home run race. And the memorabilia they had there in Cooperstown was incredible. And as a little kid that loved baseball and watching those two guys, I was a huge Sosa fan. I, I can say that now that McGuire's gone. Uh, not a, I loved Mark, but I was a huge Sammy Sosa fan because I played right field in baseball. Oh, they're cool with each other. Well, I'm just saying, like, I don't want, I don't want to hurt feelings by saying that I was a big Sosa guy growing up. <laughs> the the hop after the home run, just everything he did from when he played with the White Sox to the Cubs, it, it was just incredible. I loved watching him play. Okay, before we get to buying or selling, I just want to give you this: the Rays are on fire as we're scoreboard watching, and the Rays. They didn't play yesterday. 
They're now going to be in Texas, game one of a three-game set, Yarborough versus Lynn. But listen to this. The Rays have won 10 of their last 11 games to move to a season-high 27 games over 500. The Rays have outscored their opponents 63-34 to over their last 11 games. And during this run, the Rays have increased their playoff odds from 48% to 84%, according to fan graphs. Rays are hot. If the Rays host a wild card game, will they sell out? I would. I want to say yes, but I know the answer is no, and it's unfortunate because they got a lot of players on there that are fun to watch. And if you, but it's Tampa, it's Florida. They they still have they don't get fans. Well, I now know what the problem is since I visit there. They need to be in Tampa, not in St. Petersburg. All the fans are in Tampa, but it's so hard, I guess, to get from Tampa to St. Petersburg because the hockey team sells out in say, Tampa. Isn't there a bridge you have to go across to go from one to the other or something like that? Something like that. I mean, you're the Tampa expert on this program. I've never no, been no I, only, I was in St. Petersburg. Southern Florida, you're the South Florida expert. Well, I've been. I I, I am a big Miami guy. Yeah. Uh, well, My, Miami's legit. It's on my list of places to visit and party. I had fun in Fort Lauderdale. I don't like Orlando. Uh, I've only been there for Disney World. Yeah. I was too. Um, Thanks, Dad. I never need to go back to St. Petersburg again, but it looks like I may be going back there for a wild card game. Well, you never know. Maybe in a couple of years you'll be going to But St. actually, you know what? Because we were there like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think it was. The town had some nice restaurants. It's right on the water. I mean, it's like a Florida town. Well, all the wild card game will be on a Wednesday, I believe, if it happens. If there's not one of those crazy – uh, three-way tie scenarios we have to play through. Stop that. <laughs> We're not doing that. All right, let's do buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Well, let me say it's great to have you back, by the way, because we didn't do buying or selling yesterday. Roxy took Jeff Blum incredibly too long. Nothing wrong. Bummer's a great interview, but I had some great buying or selling for you. Oh, but it was just a, it was just a Cal on Cal love fest with yeah. Roxy and Blummer. Yeah, Roxy's and fired. He will never be on this program again. Well, that's good news. Yeah, right, because he gave up 15 runs yesterday. Go Bears! So you teased us earlier. I'm going to get to it now. Garrett Cole has done an incredible run of late, according to the Eli- Cody Elias Sports Bureau, myself and my research. Garrett Cole in his last five starts is 3-0 with 65 strikeouts, four walks, and a 2-1-4 ERA in 33 and two-thirds innings pitched. The Astros have a tough decision to make this offseason on Cole, who at 28 could be the leader of their staff for years to come. Now, Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve signed friendly deals if you think 5 for 100 is friendly for Bregman and 5 for 130 is friendly for Altuve. If the Astros try to move Josh Reddick, who I believe will make 12, million, 12 or $13 million next year, and you don't resign Wade Miley... That opens about $17 million in cap space, plus you can move other things around. Buying or selling, the Astros will re-sign Garrett Cole. I'm, I'm just selling because I, I... I'm just selling because, come on, man. Have Grinky, Cole, and Verlander for a full season. Oh, don't, don't forget, Lance McCullers will be back next year, too. He was pretty good in the World Series. Oh, my went God, there. I forgot about him. You know where I'd like to see him go? Anaheim? To the Dodgers. Oh, yeah. They could use another starting pitcher. Like let, let Garrett Cole go to the Dodgers. Him, Bueller, and Kershaw. That's that's a pretty good uh, – I'd say Who they, cares? They're in the National League. They might lose Ryu, so they can get Garrett Cole. Yeah. Get, let, if he wants to go back to Southern Cal – let's just get him out of the division, right? 
That was like the worst thing ever was Verlander gets traded, but he gets traded in division. Let's see Cole. I don't care. Let him go to let him go anywhere but the West. I'm selling. He's out of here. So the Diamondbacks, who are supposed to be tanking, uh, not tanking, but they were not expected to win, once they traded Zach Greinke away, were actually two and a half games out of the NL wild card. And uh, they're 7-3 in their last 10. They lost last night to our beloved Mets. And like I said, they looked like they rebuilt. Cattell Marte is having a breakout year, and he's quietly entering the NL MVP race. Yeah, the guy had is, no the guy yeah. had no home runs before this year, and now he's Babe Ruth. He has like 33 <laughs> or 35 joke. right now. So, bu- so buying or selling, the Arizona Diamondbacks will win one of the two NL wildcard spots. Uh, I'm selling on that. Whether two and a half back. Yeah. You still got Washington, Chicago uh, leading that, and then Milwaukee's ahead of them. I'll be selling that. Okay, so Ronald Acuna Jr. is having a breakout. Well, having a, not breakout. He already broke out last year. He's having a great second year, so there's no sophomore slump, unlike Daniel Polk. I sent you the article earlier. Who's hitting like .16 on this season. He has one hit in 63 at-bats after he had 27 home runs last year. Acuna now has 15 leadoff home runs in his career. That's only two behind Felipe Alou for the most all-time in Braves history, and he has seven this year. He currently has 38 home runs, 94 RBIs, and he has a 5.2 war, and he has 34 steals on the year. Four players have reached the 40-40 club. Conseco, Soriano, Barry Bonds, and Alex Rodriguez. Buying or selling, Ronald Acuna Jr. will join the 40-40 club this year. So he's sitting on 38 jacks right now? Yep, and he has 34 steals. Okay, he gets that. So it's a six steals he needs to get. You got to go for it. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, you want to be on that list. No, Yelich could. could now, 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 the only one that really matters was Canseco's. Because he's Cons- the first to do it. No, because his was during when the A's were playing for something. Yeah. Bonds, A-Rod, for sure, their team stunk. And so I don't do think- all the Torino's team stunk, too. Yeah, so you're, you're playing on bad teams. You're just playing for stats. Canseco's doing it on a team that's going to the World Series. And Acuna is playing for a team that may be challenged for the NL crown this year. That is correct. Okay, so soon-to-be friend of the program, Pete Polar Bear Alonzo, has 47 home runs on the season. Mike Trout, who's battling turf toe, has 45 to lead the AL. Alonzo had his first multi-home run game since May 29th yesterday. Only five rookies have ever led their league in home runs. Aaron Judge was the last to do it, and he has the rookie record of 52. Mark McGuire had 49 and led the AL and tied in Major League Baseball in 1989. Alonzo needs six more home runs in 19 games to break Judge's record. Buying or selling, Polar Bear Pete Alonzo will break Aaron Judge's home run rookie record. I'm pulling for him. I'm buying. By the way, he has the longest active on base streak right now. Do you know what it is? Are you talking about who? Alonzo? The Polar Bear, Pete Alonzo. On base streak. Uh, 15 games. Oh, not even close. More than that? Yes. Not even close. 30. 34 straight games he's been on base. Well, he must get uh, You know who's got 32? That'd be uh, one Alex Bregman. He's pretty good. My MVP MVP pick coming into the season. He's second uh, right now. By the way, Bregman versus the A's over the last two years, hitting 336, 10 jacks, 37 RBIs, and 34 games with a 1,086 OPS. Bregman is killing the A's. So I had a question on here about Ned Coletti, who – joined the Sharks as a scout last week. Uh, longtime friend of the program. I've known Ned for years. Now, he's good friends with Doug Wilson, the GM of the Sharks. Correct. Now, maybe think of this. I'm going to change this and do it quickly. 
Uh, Dave, Dom- uh, Dave Dombrowski was out as the GM and president of baseball. Oh, we didn't even talk about how Bush League was that. It was. I mean, the fact that you make the manager talk about it, you don't bring yeah. anybody out to talk about this. That's Bushley. Yeah, that was really bad. The like, Cora take the beat, take the bull, you know the heat. For the that. man was the manager have to do with firing the president yeah. of baseball operations. Well, hey, where's the owner? Where's the president? Yeah, where's where, where's John Henry? Where's uh, where's Sam Kennedy? Where are they all at? So it made me think. Dave Dombrowski, will he follow Ned Kletyseps? Buying or selling Dave Dombrowski will be a hockey scout next season. <laughs> I wonder what happens with him. You know, he was the first GM I ever interviewed. He was GM of the Marlins in 1997. He's a he, he's a good interview. He did Dodgers pregame. Yeah, he's uh, he's phenomenal. Um, I'm I'm selling that he's going to be a okay. hockey guy. Well, I was going to say the actual question was net buying or selling. Ned Coletti will be the next GM of the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, I am selling on that. <laughs> okay, last one. The Red Sox, as we just mentioned, need a president of baseball ops. They were looking for their sixth GM under the current ownership that took over 19 years ago next season. There are a lot of candidates to consider for this job. Uh, there's the guys from Arizona, Mike Hazen, and their their port their porter, their younger assistant GM. High and Bloom comes to mind for me, the v- senior VP of baseball ops for the Tampa Bay Rays. What's he having in common with Andrew Friedman? Andrew Friedman was lured away by the Dodgers to be their president of baseball ops. And the Dodgers don't sign big free agents; they just draft really well. Something the Dodgers or the Red Sox haven't done lately. Buying or selling High and Bloom will be the next president of baseball ops for the Boston Red Sox. After the, how they did Dombrowski, would you really want to take that job? If you're high in bloom at 36 years old. It, as as I, Billy Bean said in um, Moneyball, it's the Red Sox. Yeah, I get it, but the guy wins the World Series and gets fired the next year. True, but they have a lot of money invested in their payroll for guys that are hurt and haven't, you know, sell price, and Evoldi, who are all hurt, you have haven't been able to resign Mookie Betts. They've got no farm system. Their farm system is twenty second in baseball. They entered the season thirtieth, according to Baseball America. I get it. You're going to get a lot more money, but is this really? And I know it's the Boston Red Sox, but they just fired a guy after he won the World Series. You go there and don't win the World Series in what? One or two two years, you're out. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure, man. I, I know. I, well, I but but then again, I'd like to get the hell out of Tampa, so I'd be buying. Yeah. So quickly, uh, we're we're done with buying or selling now. But um, I want you to have fun the next few days while I'm basking in my glory at getting that award in Pittsburgh at the California your, University of Pittsburgh. First of all, it's the California University of Pennsylvania. And your award is what? Uh, top twenty under forty. Club. Congratulations! Thank you. It's like I'm I'm like Ronald Acuna trying to join the forty forty club. You're, you're, you're amazing. I I don't know if we're gonna be able to go on without you. We'll try and survive without. You. Congratulations on that honor. It is a big honor. Thank you. My parents are really excited to see me. I can't say I feel the same, but we'll we'll figure it out. What time is uh? You think I'd figure it out by now? What time are we on? Is it 425? No, you're on a 415 for pregame. Oh, 415. I'll be back in moments here on A's Cast and then on 860 AM, The Answer in the Bay Area. Hope you enjoyed Bob and Mark McGuire. It was a short show, but it was really good. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 